Welcome to Two Peds in a Pod, a podcast where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rothstein, and I'm here with Dr. Dean Blumberg from UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Hi, I'm Dr. Dean. And I'm Dr. Lena. I'm a pediatrician who has been practicing for over 30 years. And I'm a pediatrician just at the very beginning of my career. So I'm used to tried and true practices, and I'm generally wary of new recommendations, because if it's working, then why bother changing things? And I am always interested in learning new perspectives and why policies and advice changes over time. So we have different practices and approaches, but our goal is the same. We want to optimize children's health and development, and we want to make sure that parents understand current recommendations and why policies are the way they are. Our podcast is aimed mainly for parents, but pediatricians and other healthcare providers might find our discussions of interest as well. And children might want to know what their parents are up to and what they're listening to, so they might want to listen also. That leads us to today's topic. Hi, my name is Jeanette. I am a mother of three teenage kids in Sacramento, California. I like to get to bed by 10 p.m., but my kids want to stay up later. When I wake them up in the morning to get ready for school, they're just irritable and sleepy. Are my kids lazy? Should I nag them more to get to bed earlier, or should school start later? I've heard of some schools changing their start times. Jeanette, thank you so much for bringing this up. It is such an important topic because teenagers do get this reputation for being lazy. Well, right, because they're sleeping all the time. And why don't they just plan ahead and go to sleep earlier and then they can wake up earlier and then they'll be well rested. I mean, why does this even happen? You know what, Dr. Dean, a lot of people think the same way that you do, but it's due to physiology. Physi- now, I like physiology, okay? I'm a big fan, big fan. So, but what, what do you mean? So teenagers exhibit a sleep-wake phase delay. It's a shift of up to two hours compared to what they experience in middle childhood. And this happens for a few different reasons. Okay, so what, what, why does this sleep-wake phase delay happen? So one is delayed timing of melatonin secretion. So that's the sleep hormone, right? Exactly. So melatonin is secreted in sort of a burst that makes kids sleepy, and this is shifted in teenagers. So they start getting sleepier later. So then they become, instead of being like a morning type, they become like an evening type. They want to stay up later? Exactly. They also have altered drive to go to sleep at night. So the pressure to fall asleep accumulates slower. So if we look at really young kids, they'll fall asleep anywhere, right? Well, I've seen that. Kids get tired and they're like running around. And then the next thing you know, they're like asleep in their mother's arms. Exactly. But this changes when kids get older into their teenage years. So it takes longer to fall asleep, even if they've been awake for much longer periods of time. So um, that means that teens aren't being lazy by staying up later. That means that they're not like intentionally choosing this. It's like a biologic issue, like hormones and stuff. Exactly. It's a normal part of their biology and their physiology that it makes it way harder for them to go to sleep early, and they need to sleep in that extra bit of time in the morning. Wow. So how much sleep on average do teens need? They still need an average of nine hours of sleep at night is what's recommended. 
So these biologic factors are making it difficult for teens to go to sleep before 11 o'clock at night, for example. And so it's really best for them to wake up at like 8 a.m. or even later. Yeah, exactly. If they're really going to get that recommended nine hours of sleep, which we say is beneficial for them, then that would be correct. And how does this interact with other pressures that teens are facing? I mean, there's a lot going on during the teen years, right? Totally. So they have so many after-school activities, sports, clubs. They have a ton of homework. They have the pressures of college admissions and studying for the SAT and things like that. So all of these things are working against them and results in less sleep during the week. And in turn, they're trying to catch up on weekends and things like that. So can they catch up on weekends? They can't. So, you know, that sleep debt that we talk about sometimes and trying to catch up with naps and sleeping in on the weekends, that does not replace the beneficial nine hours of sleep that you get during the week when you're in school and things like that. And it probably makes it even harder on Monday morning then to wake up on time because they get used to sleeping later during the weekend. Yeah, exactly. So how big of a problem is this? I mean, what's the extent of adolescent sleep loss? It is a big problem. The average teen in the U.S. has chronic sleep deprivation and is pathologically sleepy. (laughs) Pathologically sleepy. That's an interesting phrase. What What does that mean? It means that they have sleepiness that can be compared to people with narcolepsy. Narcolepsy. That's the disorder where people just like all of a sudden like fall asleep and then... Yeah, exactly. So that's what we can think of teens falling asleep in class and other things... That it's really an issue when they're this chronically sleep deprived. So, what percent of teens are are affected? Almost sixty percent of sixth to eighth graders are affected, and almost ninety percent of high school students get less than the recommended nine hours of sleep on school nights. So, how much sleep do they get? Most kids, on average, say that they get less than seven hours of sleep. Do parents know this? Are they aware of this sleep deficit? This was something that really surprised me in preparing for this episode. Actually, most parents don't know this. So 70% of parents think that their teenager gets an appropriate amount of sleep during the week. So that's a pretty stark difference when 70% of parents think their teens are getting enough sleep and 90% aren't. So what really are the consequences then? What, What happens to these teens when they're not getting enough sleep? Insufficient sleep really affects teens and that it impairs their mood, it impairs their ability to regulate their emotions, attention, and memory. It impairs behavior control, executive function, and really just quality of life in general. Executive function. So I've heard of that. That's about planning and long-term kind of stuff, right? Exactly. (laughs) Executive functioning is a set of brain functions that help control behavior, allow for teens to have more self-regulation, future planning, helps them achieve their goals, and helps them reason and problem-solve. And I'm sorry, but a lot of teens already have problems with reasoning (laughs) and self-regulation anyway, so if they have impaired executive function, I mean, that's a real problem. So then, if they have all these effects because of insufficient sleep, this must really affect their school performance, right? Yeah, it does. So more than a quarter of kids fall asleep in class at least once per week. Wow, that's a lot. It is. And more than one fifth of kids fall asleep doing their homework at least once per week. Well, so they fall asleep when they're doing their homework and then they wake up and they finish it. So why is that a big deal? Less sleep equals lower academic achievement, worse grades and increased school dropout rates. Why the increased dropout rates? 
Because when kids are chronically sleepy, they're going to be increasingly absent. They're going to have more tardiness. And even when they show up to school on time, they're not doing as well in the classes that they're in. So they come up less ready to learn. And what about their emotions? Does this affect that also? It does affect that. Increased sleep deprivation results in difficulty regulating emotions. It can lead to increased anxiety, depression, and some cases will even increase thoughts of suicide. How do teens cope with that? So teens cope with being increasingly sleepy by trying out other things like stimulants. They're using caffeine. They're drinking coffee. You know, how many times have I seen a kid come into my office with a Red Bull in hand? They also are using prescription medications if they're prescribed to them or they're not, and maybe they're prescribed to a friend. So they're trying these prescription medications like methylphenidates, which some parents may recognize as like Ritalin or Concerta, some of the ADHD medications. Hmm. And then does this chronic sleep deprivation affect teens in other ways? It totally does. So sleepy teens are not safe. They're, you know, now our teenagers are driving, so they're driving tired, and that increases their risk of car accidents. Well, they're already inexperienced drivers, so they don't need anything else to affect them. Exactly. Increased sleep deprivation also increases risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, and it can lead to increased high-risk behaviors like drinking, smoking, and illicit drug use. So we're talking about increased risk of car accidents, <laughs> a lot of these health issues, and then even like risky behaviors. And so this is a, a significant problem. How how can we solve this? We can't tell teens just to go to sleep earlier, right? Because no. of physiology. Exactly. And there's really a simple solution. What? What is it? What is it, Dr. <laughs> we Lena? We have to change the school start times to later. School start times later. So if school starts later, won't teens just stay up later? And then that won't make any difference with their sleep. You know, this is a common argument, but studies have shown that teens will get more sleep if schools start later. So not only does their average sleep time increase, but the percentage of students who report adequate sleep also increases. So what times do you recommend schools should start? Starting school start times after 8.30 is really what is recommended. And in the U.S., how is this common to start after 8.30? It's actually uncommon. So greater than 40% of schools in the United States start before 8 a.m. So that's not good. So um, let me ask you another question. So if schools do change to start at a later time, the recommended time such as 8.30 or later, does this really work? Has this been tried? And is this, is this like a theory or is this like proven to result in better outcomes? This is proven. There have been numerous scientific studies that show that starting school as little as 30 minutes later in the morning results in better grades, better standardized test scores, and less absenteeism in the students. Well, those are important benefits, but is this like a, a small change or how, how big is this effect? This is a huge effect. Just by moving the school start times by as little as 30 minutes, it can be like reducing the size of a class by one third. That's a huge amount. And I mean, we all know how important like the teacher-student um, ratio um, is. So are there any other benefits to later school start times? There are tons of other benefits. We talked about the rates of depression in kids that are chronically sleep deprived. So we see decreased rates of depression. We see increased teacher satisfaction. We see school district administrators that are pleased with their kids not being absent all the time. And some studies have even looked at the rates of automobile accidents and have seen 
these decreased in as much as 20% in these areas. Wow. Well, I mean, less auto accidents alone seem important, and these are a lot of benefits. So this seems like a real slam dunk. I mean, why don't all high schools have later start times? What kind of barriers are they facing? Well, later start times equals later end times. And like we talked about in the beginning, our teenagers, our schedules are so jam-packed. So that would mean less time for athletic practices, decreased practice times, later start times for games. But wait a second. You're saying like athletics trump actual academic achievement? That doesn't seem right. I agree with you. I don't think it should. But sometimes parents complain that this might not be beneficial for their schedules, family dinners, when they need to pick their kids up after work, things like that, too. You know, when you think about the benefits, it just seems obvious. And I was just reading in the paper the other day, in our paper. um, (laughs) You are the only person I know that still gets a paper. You don't get the paper? I read it on my iPad. Oh, you get the paper. Okay, so... (laughs) In the paper, there's some legislation in our state, in California, that's being considered to delay the start of a school day. And one of the um, opponents said, um, "Just their quote is, maybe we should just have a mandatory bedtime bill because that's the real issue here. If you're worried about kids not getting enough sleep, maybe they should go to bed earlier. But you're saying that won't work. They are clearly not looking at the science behind this. And I'm so happy that this bill is introduced in our community because I think it could have such beneficial effects if we could do this for our teenagers. Okay, so how many schools really would have to change their um, start times? So what what percent are we talking about? You know, unfortunately, it is still an uphill battle for us because 15 to 25 percent of schools in the U.S. start at 8.30 or later. So that's not very many, unfortunately. That's we have a lot a of work to do. a lot of schools that would need to be changing their start time. And this is a real—it could be a real burden for the schools and for families to adjust to this. So let's talk about, like, the bottom line. When you make these changes, does it cost more to start school later? It doesn't. It's actually really cost beneficial. So for every $1 spent in changing to a later start time, the benefits are $9 back. How's that work? How do do they gain so much? How is this cost beneficial? Because school districts get their federal money or their federal appropriations from school attendance. So like we talked about before, if kids are less chronically sleepy, then they're more likely to show up to school in the morning. And therefore, the school districts are going to be reimbursed more. So are later start times appropriate for all high schools or only some schools, like private versus public, or or which which schools should consider this? Like we talked about, it's all about teen physiology, and all schools have teenagers, right? (laughs) So it's appropriate for all schools. It's appropriate for urban settings. It's appropriate for suburban settings, college prep, private, any setting that has a teenager should start at 8.30 or later. So we've been focusing mostly on high schools, but what about middle schools? I mean, should they should the same principles apply? Some of the studies that have looked at middle school students are finding similar effects, but that's a whole other discussion. So this is really um, an eye-opener for me. So could you summarize some of the main issues and why this is so important? Definitely. There's compelling scientific evidence that later start times are valuable and important ways to make a significant beneficial difference to teens, to parents, to school teachers and the administrators, public health providers, and the public at large. Important for individuals, but it's also better for public health overall. So those are a lot of good reasons to address this. And then we've talked about that this is an easy problem to fix. 
It totally is. So some of the main points from our conversation today. Teens should be getting nine hours of sleep per night and napping, catching up on weekends, caffeine and stimulant use is not an adequate substitute for inadequate sleep. And you mentioned that high school start times should be no earlier than 8.30 a.m. And that later start times results in improved academic achievement, improved teen health and mood and better quality of life, less motor vehicle accidents, and is very cost beneficial to school districts. So those are all really positive benefits. And so let me just ask you another question. If sleep is really good for the brain, the teen brain, why can't teens sleep in school? Have you learned nothing from our conversation today? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let me, let me just end with a, a little bit of a joke, okay? So uh, what time do ducks wake up? What time? At the quack of dawn. All right. So thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more information about this subject on our Facebook page, TWO, Peds in a Pod, all one word. Or follow us on Twitter at two underline peds. That's the number two underline symbol, P-E-D-S, or Instagram at the number two peds in a pod, no spaces. If you have feedback on this show or you have topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us and leave a message at 916-915-3388 or email us at two the number two peds in a pod at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next podcast two peds in a pod is sponsored by uc davis children's hospital <laughs> <laughs>